film at the end of the day. It's we're making things for people's pleasure, you know? We're making things to spark conversations. We're making things to like for people to escape when they watch, you know? Why how awful it would be if people knew what happened behind the scenes when, you know, people have been on set and have been threatened or fired or have been sat in a corner crying because they feel so attacked on set and yet we're making this beautiful project. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 41. I'm Elise Siebert. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we are speaking to actor and director of magic realism, Kat Ravenna-Stevens. We discuss her short film, Erosion, the art of speaking, and check check your your ego. I need a pillow. It's August. Hello. It's fine. The next day you're like, the eyes are bulging. That has to be a really good story you connect to, though. To like, like, do you want to say something? I'm going to say about when you you slept on the floor (laughs) with no pillow or no blanket. Well, you know, I don't really remember much of the actual sleeping part because I was the assistant director. So, it comes with the territory that there is no sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we were like upstate New York and we had rented a house because we were filming a lot of stuff like in a lake right there and in a, a pool house type thing. And I honestly don't remember going to sleep Just for going. five days. Five days. For five days. I'm, I'm like, where, where, how did I? I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Total mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started off in the industry though as an actor, right? Yeah. I, I, my whole life, I trained to be on the stage. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do. And when I was two years old, my mom put me in dance class and it just went from there really. Um, when I was at school in England, I went to private school. So I also had voice lessons, uh, like voice and speech, not singing voice and speech. So elocution and diction. And, um, it's very British. It's very British <laughs> learning how to say how now brown cow. <laughs> and uh, it, so, but, it, but it's important. And yeah. Um, do you know Patsy Rodenberg? Oh yes. I've, I've, yes. I've, I've studied with Patsy Rodenberg. Yeah, me yeah. too. And she talks about how, I mean, that's her main goal right now is putting that yeah. back into yeah. the schools. And it's so important. And my mom, I suppose when I was a child, wasn't thinking maybe I was, it was going to help me be on stage, but rather all she was concerned about was, I want you to get a good job. And I, I don't want people to have to immediately when they hear your voice think, oh, she's not educated you know, and it doesn't matter then, you know, what background you've had, as long as you know how to eloquently speak and carry a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I loved it. I excelled at it. I would win competitions. I would get a hundred percent. My picture would be in the paper, like eight years old, (laughs) holding my hundred percent certificate. Like, (laughs) yeah, competitive speaking. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You're like, I've never really thought about it that way. Well, you're in the right medium right now. Right? Well, it's amazing how 
people, it, whether it's in tech or CEOs of company, like they're paying people. And a lot of them are actors. I know several of my actor friends who coach business people on how to yeah. speak. Publicly speak. Publicly speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that it, I, I It's mean, nerve wracking. It really is yes. nerve wracking. And it's not like I'm the most confident person still, but it's at least when I do speak, I feel everyone can at least understand me and not make a judgment on my past just based on how I'm speaking. And unfortunately, we don't ever mean to, but, you know, we form assessments in our head of people. And that was where, as a child, my mom just wanted me to at least have good diction and it would it would help, you know, cut out one obstacle in the, the job hunt or, you know, trying to get get something in in life you know so thanks mom (laughs) well it has to come in handy Aideen too when you're giving people instructions oh yeah one after the other and being able to (laughs) you know clearly talk to somebody and yeah absolutely and I've I've you know I've done a lot with also coaching children and um acting lessons and stuff with kids and one of the biggest things that I that I have them do is voice exercises and voice drills and I've had some private students where they they've their voices are so slurred together and they mumble and I just go back to like okay let's let's break this down and drill every sound because that's what I did for three years at drama school as well was breaking down sounds and drilling them every single day so I think it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Like other people should think it's fun too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, we just, I just think that there's not an emphasis placed on it and it, and it really is incredible how people do make judgments about you as a human being and your intelligence level just based on the way that you sound. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you don't even know you're saying a word wrong or you're pronounced, you you know, there's stuff like that. You've, you've said a word a certain way your whole life. Nobody's corrected you. Like, it's not exactly. your fault. No, you, no, exactly. You know? And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that I've, I've had this training as a child in elocution, but also then at drama school in learning proper American as well. But it also then helps when, when you've got that neutral, you can then add on to it and sort of absorb other dialects and have fun with that and that's the really fun part right but you have to get to that neutral first I had to do that in acting school because I had a southern accent yeah and uh and yeah they it was hardcore it's so funny how I would get like a higher grade in my American than the American kids because (laughs) (laughs) you know you have to break it down and some people it's like they cannot get rid of like a drawl or something yeah yeah well because it's so regionalized Yeah, yeah So how did you transition from this lovely world of elocution and speaking (laughs) and being able to do that into acting and then into film film and being behind the camera? Yeah. Well, I, um, as, as a child, I just loved performing, but I had never really done anything, you know, stage wise that wasn't dancing or getting up and speaking. And probably when I was a teenager, I, I started taking an interest in plays and um and musicals and as a child my favorite one of my favorite films was Little Shop of Horrors literally obsessed with that movie to the point where I probably wore the VHS out and it would be the only thing I would rent every Friday from (laughs) from the video store (laughs) 
so it was like, that's gonna be me. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, when I was a teenager, my, I mean, I, my, my high school didn't really have, um, a theater program. Um, they, they did a once a year theater festival thing that was 15 minute versions of plays. And so I was Ophelia in a 15 minute version of Hamlet. And the grand total of my scenes was I came out, said, hey, nonny, hey, nonny, and then died. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I need more. I feel like that's more work to make a Shakespearean play down to 15 Condense minutes. To 15 minutes. I yeah. know how it's you basically would do that. a, a trailer, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a glorified trailer for Hamlet. So um, at 16, I actually left high school and went next door to the community college because you were, you were able to do your like, junior and senior years of high school at college and they had a theater program and a media program and so I started film there and I started theater and um, our final project was to make a trailer for our media project so we had to make like a horror movie trailer which is a lot harder than making just a short film because you have to like think of the whole film Um, (laughs) and we had to write a play our theater program and at the same time I was also you know seeing what else was out there and my mom her one of her best friends and co-workers this wonderful guy Peter he um was part of this local theater company but was also sort of a dramaturge and also just a master of everything theater and I got started with him and he cast me in in stuff and I just started then performing with that and then I found like after I'd left school and stuff and was just working I found like every local company that I could work with so there was a couple different musical companies in my area that were I mean would perform in like 1200 seat theaters and so I started with those doing things like 42nd Street Anything Goes King and I um there was a sort of semi-professional theater company that had just started as well in my area and started working with them did shows like Closer and was Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz I played Dorothy a couple different times in England because I was just I was like this this is the role I have to have (laughs) (laughs) I would walk in there and be like I need this role (laughs) okay and um yeah, and shows like Love's Labour's Lost and um, Twelfth Night and um, comedies and stuff like Alan Akeborn things. And yeah, I just, every company I could find would audition and work in it. And I did that for a few years. And I, I was, I was, I always knew in my head I didn't want to go to London for school or anything. And so I just, I spent a few years just being an actor I guess but not really doing it professionally or anything and I was working for the newspaper and one day I was like uh I'm I think I need to leave (laughs) and so I just secretly on my computer at work while I was doing work applied to drama school in New York didn't tell anyone and got a letter in the mail saying we want you to come and audition in London and then I was like oh crap told my mom and I was like um so this New York drama school <laughs> and she was like uh-huh okay how are we gonna pay for this yeah. <laughs> I was like I don't know let me just go to the audition <laughs> had no idea what I was doing yeah. at the audition because I was just doing local theater and didn't really know what I was doing <laughs> never had training in it really went down to London did what I thought was an okay audition but got accepted and was like 
oh, I'm moving to New York in January next year. Great. Okay. And that was it. Life changed. And then I moved to New York and went to drama school. And that was 11 years ago almost. <laughs> I was going to say, how long have you been in yeah. this city? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. What's, you what you must have liked it? it. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic oh, Arts. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went there for, I did their two-year program, graduated, and then got accepted into the third year, which is their company year. And it's sort of like a resident acting company. So you do just show, 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 you mm-hmm. know, and we did five shows in like seven months or something, but also had intense training and a lot of other things as well while we were doing it and it was just bliss amazing pure yeah. bliss yeah 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 it doesn't get better than that right you know? I love yeah that like some of my happiest times are drama school mm-hmm. <laughs> well and just I doing could, show after show after yeah. show yeah. and and, and, and I, doing a combination of both I came here when I was 23 but it was it was then when I finally grew up I guess um you know I discovered myself as an actor and like oh I know nothing <laughs> break it down build it up you know and the same uh, thing like you did with voice and speech yeah exactly mm-hmm. I was like seven years old again and winning competitions <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so then during my time at drama school I met really great people who were in film and that was how I also got started in the film side of things because they were film students and they were like hey we just need like some help making our student films and I would either be an actor in them or help them on the other side not knowing what it was that I was doing I was like I guess helping them produce an idiot you know that kind of thing because that's what you do as a student film yeah everybody does everything yeah and um I was like oh I, I I kind of enjoy this I kind of enjoy being this side of the camera and yeah from there I just did more and more of that, like more student films and meeting other people and like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll like AD your project, whatever this AD thing is that I'm doing, you know, and then learned how to do it sort of on the job. And then one day was like, oh, I'm actually doing this and now I should be paid for it and I'm doing it well and people were asking for me mm-hmm. and referring me. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm going to now demand a day rate. Yeah. You know, and just kept doing it and doing it and doing it for years and um like as well as being an actor and whatever else but it it, I knew it wasn't the path for me in the long run ADing it was just sort of a a transition into film but the ADing also then helped me see every other department and some projects allowed me to be a little more creative, even though an AD does not be creative. It would it would give me the opportunity to like, if the director wanted some more help, like, oh, okay, well, here's what I would suggest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I think I want to go down that path instead. And so, yeah, a few years ago, I directed my first short film with a good a good friend of mine who wrote it. And I was like, oh, this, yeah, this, this is, is the feels path. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, yeah. I want to create the full picture. And not just, well, and that's the other thing too that I wanted to talk to you about is I feel like the word AD gets thrown around a lot, but if you were to break down like the definition of what is an AD, how would you describe it? Um, a pincushion. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, more specific. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, 
it's it's it is like being the stage manager for a film you know um you're everybody's time master you're like the time lord you know and you're just you're the absorber of stress and the giver of solutions when you don't have any more room for stress or any more solutions to give you somehow find them so yeah (laughs) no that's that's, what an ad is yeah (laughs) that's beautiful i like that um i mean as even though pincushion is really Mm -hmm. um it's pretty accurate yeah a time like it's like a it's like a watch pin i've had to break up um fights between not like physical fights but i've had to break up like nasty fights on sets between actors and directors some of them a-list celebrities who shall not be named (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's i've seen a lot of things as an ad i've also cried a lot as an ad yeah i'm sure i was just (laughs) thinking about like arguments a lot of that I feel like comes down to ego and yes 100% and when when a star like when you're when you're lead actor or actress just doesn't think that they look a certain way correctly on screen now I get it it's their face that we're seeing but there's no need to be nasty about it and there's no need to cause fights and then cause a disruption in the flow of of the film you know the set like this is and I I pride myself on a very um loving set Mm -hmm. I I like to think of everyone myself as I'll be your best friend but I'll also you know I'm I'm you know I'm I'm there to put a stop to things if things get out of of hand or whatever but I'm, I'm not there to be mean there's nothing worse than someone being mean on set sometimes I feel like it, it People think that's part of the yeah, job description, totally. which it, like I I know yeah. they have to keep people on on time and schedule and uh, right. you know kind of like I guess boss people yeah. around per se, but there's no you can do that in there's a no kind need way, for it. yeah, yeah. And when people feel rushed or attacked, nobody's giving their best work either, right? So, yep, exactly. And it's film at the end of the day. It's uh, yeah. We're making things for people's pleasure, you know? We're making things to spark conversations. We're making things to, like, for people to escape when they watch, you know? Why, how awful it would be if people knew what happened behind the scenes when, you know, people have been on set and have been threatened or fired or have been sat in a corner crying because they feel so attacked on set and yet we're making this beautiful project bizarre <laughs> that's such a wonderful way to think about it too to just like realize i've been on sets where what's, it's like when it's people important. are like we should be recording what's going on behind the scenes yes. right now yes. because <laughs> you know i yeah i i agree i think the more you can create an atmosphere of collaboration and yes. trust it's like yeah. i'm gonna trust you to do your job and you're gonna trust me to do my job right. and it goes with anything it's director actor relationships mm-hmm. it's dp director relationships it's you know yeah makeup and hair and actor relations and, and i've also had to like stand my ground a lot because i'm a five foot tall br- blonde british woman i'm I'm not threatening in any way. I'm, and I've had to work under a lot of big ego 
filled men on set that like to throw their voice around and and yeah I've had to come to their level you know and make them realize that's not how you talk to people on set and <laughs> that's kind of scary at times but it's also empowering. <laughs> Do you have any tactics for doing that that you find help? Or is it a um, I wish I, case basis? I wish I had like a, a little, you know, handy guide. But <laughs> but really it's about just being honest with the person. If someone the minute someone causes an uneasy or uncomfortable atmosphere on set, I'm not afraid to pull them aside and tell them because I've spent too many times on set avoiding doing that and then had to like step away hide behind a piece of furniture or equipment ball my eyes out for five minutes and go wait it's not me <laughs> you know so I've I've had to pull directors aside and say you you know you're 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 making people uncomfortable and that was an interesting film where I had to do that the one time <laughs> but it helped it helped so I'm sure that it did. Yeah. I'm sure other people appreciated it, even though they didn't probably know you did right. that. They exactly. knew something had changed. And that, I think yeah. that's the thing as well. Is not, yeah. It's not about doing it because people are like, yay, thank you so much for doing that. It's about making their lives easier without them knowing that I had to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and sometimes <laughs> when people, people have different intensities in their work too. And sometimes people don't even realize they don't. how they're coming they don't. off. Right. And they're trying, like at the end of the day, everybody wants to make a good story right. at the end of the day. So it's not that people are using their egos just to use them. It, like they really believe this is the right way to yes. make the story. And yeah. it's like when you're not giving, collaborating and listening yeah. and just pushing and your ideas. And I think ideas. that's those times where, yeah, they're, they're a wonderful artist inside, but they don't know how to they forget that other people are around them it's not like a painter in a studio and you can be as eccentric as you want nobody's there next to you as you're thrashing your paint around or whatever you've got like 30 people on set that you're also working with mm -hmm. so you just have to learn to to balance your ego of your vision and also everybody else has a vision as well that they're trying to make with you mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah, and I think that's why film is so beautiful and yet so complicated yes. is because it's a collaboration. Yeah. It's people working together to create a piece of art and that's not always easy when yeah. you have people who have really strong opinions and feelings and passion around a project. It's it's often, and I think that's also knowing too going into it, it's not done with malicious intentions. Right. It's, it's because they're passionate about it, that yeah. they're doing it. And so I think when you take that in, it kind of helps you navigate those waters a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, so tell us about your short film, um, Erosion, right? Is yes. That, yeah. yeah. Erosion. Um, this started out as, um, <laughs> as my, my college thesis piece. Um, I, along with my, I just graduated from college this past spring and it, my degree was in music and musical theater, but I also did, um, a minor in film and my, my final project for that was, I was going to direct a short film and I was just going to write a, write a film and direct it and la 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 and it would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh that loud. <laughs> well, I had done, I had 
<clears throat> done a couple projects, you know, on film and had like a few people help me and cut them together myself, like splice them together by hand. And I was like, this is, this is fine. I'll be able to make a short film. And then the more I started, it was, so this was the January now, right? And I've, I've just been approved to do uh, an independent study and do my, my film. And I have my mentor and he's like, all right, you can either take someone else's script or you can write your own. And I was like, well, I want to write this story that I have, which is magic realism. And it's about a person dissolving into sand because they aren't loved anymore. Um, and of course, you know, that sounds fairly simple. And I started writing. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and um, my best friend also co-wrote it with me. <clears throat> and about February comes along and I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to start building a team of people because I have to get this shot by April. Great. And I, I called, um, I called Joanna Bowser, who's a producer based in LA now. Um, she worked on Naomi's film, Imagine I'm Beautiful. And I was like, I'm just going to have verbal diarrhea right now and tell you everything that I, I, I'm thinking. And I, I need you to be honest with me. And she was like, you need another $10,000. I was like, oh, <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear God! Because I was like, I want it shot on an Ari Alexa. Because mm. you know, big mm. dreams. Mm. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. So I want an Ari Alexa, and <clears throat> yeah, great. So <clears throat> I spent the whole of March um, killing myself by doing a 30 day Seed and Spark campaign, whilst also trying to do um, a show at college whilst also trying to um, finish my degree whilst also taking like you know 18 credits at college yeah and so I spent March <laughs> like in a bubble of 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 just anxiety yeah and yeah raised 103 percent of my goal on Seed and Spark congratulations it yeah. was a whirlwind and yeah. it I mean I, I'm so grateful to like everybody that helped on that campaign and that that set us then in motion. We were able to pay people proper wages and rent decent equipment. And uh, yeah, and so then in April we went into production and and I'm only now just in the last couple of weeks of finishing it because I spent the summer just saving a bit more money for post-production. Um so the the crew also is pretty much 90% female and even now down to like all of the post-production like I'm still it just happens to be that it's oh you're also a woman great come on board you know and um so I'm really proud of that and yeah I think we have a I think we have a, a beautiful little film that's changed a lot since my first idea back in January a huge amount it's changed even the script when we went into production was completely different to what I thought it would be to even in the cutting room it's changed changes again. yeah it always does yeah and um and so yeah so so now I'm you know almost finished with that and I'm hoping to start submitting it to festivals by the end of November nice. Congratulations. and do a screening in December and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited by it. Um, what's really great about this project is a lot of the people that worked on it are also very passionate about the project. Too many times we work on a short film and we're like, okay, we're done, you know, move on with life. But like my, my DP 
unbelievable. She is just uh, like What's God's gift to DPs. She's called Chloe, Chloe Smolkin, and she was just a master behind the camera. I mean, she also helped me in the story development, you know, like offered suggestions, was just there by my side constantly. And even through to all this post-production, she's not left me at all, you know? And it's so nice to have found a, a DP that is by your side, yeah. you know? And, and believes about, in you. Yeah. Yes, and believes in the project. Well, and also the fact that you had such an involvement in it, like writing and directing, but the fact that you left her space to do that. Yeah. I think that also goes to show that as a director, that's the kind of director you are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which I'm sure you've worked with people who aren't like that. Right. And that was what I told everybody on board as well. I was like, I had my my very clear... um, not necessarily visions, but like references to things. Um, this film's very magic realism, but it's it's it had like very distinct. Like I want this scene to look like this, or mm-hmm. I want I want to reference this moment from this film here. You know, and so much research went into how can we be inspired by everything else, as opposed to yes, we're creating something original but it's art, it's inspired, you know? And so I had like homework for everybody that was involved in my project. Like these are my, this is my inspiration. And it would be like a list of like 30 things, you know? And I was like, if you have time, watch them. If you don't just watch like the trailers or something, you know, or just look at the poster, you know, things like that. Get a feel for what it is. And my DP watched everything. I was like, you're amazing DPs are great like that and they want that they want they're like what do you want it to look like like send me films send me and it's like for them it's almost like they're detectives yes and they like look through stuff because verbally you can tell them what you want but they're visual and so if they can see it in a film another film or a photo or you know a lookbook or whatever then exactly they get excited you know and I also told everyone involved like I'm also not married to anything necessarily if if you have a better suggestion and it was a big collaboration project really big because it was the first time I had written something that I was directing that was more than just a, a little experimental short like I've you know done experimental stuff but this was my first big big project how, how long is it um it's just under 15 minutes with right. credits that's a great yeah, yeah. that's a great length and it is a great length um, and you said you're just wrapping it up and you're going to be entering yeah, festivals Yeah, last night soon. we had our uh, music spotting session. Yay. So Exciting. Yeah, it was like, okay, we found our music. And um, yeah, and uh, I have people starting on the audio side of it and the color side of it. And now I'm like, oh my God, I need poster art. So now I'm like, I'm going to find a poster artist. <laughs> it's now, really exciting. Um is it already making you look ahead and be like, have you, have you been like, I want to direct more right oh, away? Oh yeah, I've already started, started drafting the next project and yeah. I'm like, am I supposed to finish this one first? Nah. <laughs> so tell us about this other project and well, what you can or what you want. The, uh, the next one that I want to create, um, I want to, I don't want to give too much away, yeah, but I, I want it to, to follow, um, sort of one night in the mind of a person that that thinks they've committed a crime. So Ooh. 
That's all I'm gonna say on that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's intriguing. Wait, yeah, yeah, very intriguing. Yeah. What did you take from all your experiences of being a first AD when you stepped over into that director role? Like, what did you take from that experience that helped you? And then also, what maybe did you learn as a director that yeah you thought you already knew as an AD? I think one of the biggest things that I took over was efficiency and learning to not hold on to things as an ad you're constantly you know on walking on eggshells saying okay if we had to cut something because we don't have time what would you like to cut you know um and having to having to break that news to somebody that like we don't have time for you to shoot all four of these shots um pick two and so there came a lot of times on set this time around where I knew we didn't have time. And I would look at my AD and be like, yep, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> and, and it was hard at times to step away from the AD role and just be a director because I'd be like looking at the time and going, okay, if we do blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let my AD do it. Okay, I'm going to just talk to my actors. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say efficiency because I, I went in there with, and also my DP was great in that it was like, we're going to get this, this, and this first, and if we have time, as opposed to, no, we're going to get all of this. And, and that, was, that was great. And she knew, there was, <laughs> she knew there was certain things that I wanted, certain shots that I wanted, that when it, when it, came like oh we don't have time she'd be like no you're gonna get that shot because you wanted it we're gonna make time and I was like okay thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah you need somebody like that too yeah you know yeah Yeah, you do need both sides you're right I feel like um sometimes because I've I've AD'd and directed too Mm -hmm. and you have to be careful as a director not to go into that AD motive because that's not your job and your job is to make sure the story is getting told and the performances are there and so you know you might have to be like no we need to take this again we don't have it you know we we need to take this again otherwise you're going to wind up in the edit room and you won't have what you need and you'll need to reshoot or that's more money, more time, more energy. So sometimes it is okay to take, all right, we're behind and we're going to have to bump it to tomorrow, but we need to get this shot. Yeah. I just, there was, you know, a couple, a couple days where we were over by an hour or so and I just had to eat it and pay the overtime because it was better than not having the shot. And even though we had to juggle some things around in the edit room where I was like, Oh, I don't have any transitional shots. Made it work made it work and that was well and then that's where your creativity yeah, comes exactly. in right like yeah like having those boundaries or having like having those problems to fix it's like what creative solution yes. can we find to like still tell the story and still make it beautiful to watch or or whatever it is for whatever genre yeah. but yeah <laughs> no that's so that is awesome like having that other because we've talked to people who are directors that are also editors and how that influences them and the yeah. type of shots that they get so I find it really interesting how you having other experience um behind the camera other than just that one avenue how beneficial and well-rounded it will make you as a director and a filmmaker yeah and I think as a director <clears throat> one of the most important things that you should do is is also be an actor <laughs> and yeah. That's why a lot of directors take like scene study classes 
it's how how else are you meant to speak to your actors exactly if you don't you know? know the and language I know of there are directors that that do they make it work because they they understand the language of how it is going to look in the end but i just that's the thing i find so I think it's so important interesting about directing is that so you have different types of directors. You have directors who came up through being a DP. Yeah. You have directors who came up being actors. You have directors who were, were first AD. Like people usually are doing something else and that kind of shadows like how they direct. There's some directors that, yeah. you know, they they want to talk to the actors after every take and there's other directors that are like, nope, I trust my actors to right. do your They're thing. I'm more worried about the (laughs) the lighting and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that's what I think is so interesting about like being artists and having your creative expression is like, we have different films. There's so many different films and they look so different because people focus on different elements of it, you know, which is interesting. Which is also another reason why it's super important to have people making films that are all different, you know, Genders, genders and ra- races, races and, and yeah, everything because they see the world a different way. Absolutely. Different income, economics, you know, like different parts of the world because that's, I mean, that's what filmmaking is, is like empathy into another person's soul. So if we have these different stories. Yeah. Then what better way to get to know people? Mm-hmm. Hopefully make our world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. Little, One film at a time. Shot by yes. shot. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's really cool. Well, where can people find you yeah. online? So um, the film won't be online mostly because but do you have a Facebook of music page? rights issues. But um, yeah, I have, um, I have the film is Erosion Noun, um, a short film. Erosion, like the dictionary spelling. So it's like erosion, comma, noun. Um, And I have my own personal um, actor, director, Facebook page, which is just my full name, Katrina Rabenis-Stevens. And again, on Instagram, it's the same thing. Either my actor name or there's erosion underscore noun, the the film. Same on Twitter. We're on Twitter as erosion underscore noun. Perfect. I think those are the handles. Well, we, <laughs> we'll, we'll have them listed below. Okay. Yeah. Like we, we, like, we like the, the verbal, the audio, and the, and yeah. the visual. <laughs> Both yeah, of them. We, like to, we like to share all. Because, yeah. you know, we all, we all remember things different ways. Yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time no, out of thank your, you so your much busy for having schedule. Me. You are we had such to... a light. Like, you just have such a great energy about you. So if you need a first AD or absolutely. a director, yeah. you should totally think of Kat. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, or an actor too yeah, so an many actor hats. too so many she, hats she does all the things <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening thanks guys bye, bye. bye.